You take me to the woods. I don't want my boy to see. I don't want my boy to see. Let's get on with it. Er! Father. Colonel Ludlow, sir. Yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah! Everybody, it's the Cinema Nine Podcast. Are you excited? Yeah. Well, you know that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, come on! We love the show. It's the Cinema Nine. Cinema Nine Pod at ProtonMail.com. Cinema Nine Pod and all your favorite social media platforms. It's the final show of 2020. This is going to be our big farewell to 2020. We'll take a look at everything that happened in cinema. Give you some of our favorites and any opinion related to the 2020 movie industry my name is michael govier and of course my co-host my dear pals travis roy on new year's eve travis we're doing a new year's eve show you excited yeah i'm very excited and strap in folks we've had some lengthy episodes lately but i feel like between quarantine viewing picks and then our top 20 of the year or our top movies of 2020 and uh and then discussing legends of the fall our our segment our uh, subject today i feel like it's gonna be a long one but that's okay that's I don't know if it's going to be that long, but it's going to be pretty long. I hope it's two and a half hours minimum, but we'll see. Travis Roy, I'm looking forward to doing the show with you. But Eric Branstrom, you love New Year's Eve as much as Travis. How do you feel about today's show? Are you excited? Yeah, uh, I'm excited to break down 2020. It was a weird year for film. Uh, I, I didn't go to the theater one time, but I spent a <laughs> hell of a lot of money on Amazon rentals and Comcast rentals. So let's see if I can justify all this wasted fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> Give your own kind. Well, I don't know if we're going to be able to make it happen, but I have a feeling this might be the best show we've ever done. Don't forget that in 2021, we'll still be here. Nothing will change. Basically, the same damn show every Thursday, right here on Facebook Live. And of course, as a podcast format on Spotify, Apple Podcast. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, man. All right. People are sad. Uh, yeah, and you know, five stars, Apple rating, only help make the podcast seem more uh, reasonable to other people. But we already know that this is a fine podcast. And doing 39 episodes, who, who would have thought? Send us an email. Let us know what you're liking, what uh, improvements we might be able to make. Uh, maybe you got an idea for the direction of the show we haven't considered. 
And right, above all you. else, um, just thank you for listening throughout the year. Doing this uh, with, with, with these two guys here has been a real joy and a pretty crappy year. And uh, it's completely not worth doing without anybody listening. So those of you that have been listening, we truly, truly appreciate it. <laughs> Roasting. Boy. I, mean, I, I appreciate it, I guess I should say. Mike just <laughs> not laughing. I, love, I, I, speak I love you guys. Yeah, I think this has been um, – boy, it's been quite an experience, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, the live stream people with all your silly comments and the emails we got from Jeff, uh, other emailers. Uh, I think there was someone else. Derek. Was oh, of course. Derek. Oh, Derek. Yeah, I mean, Derek Fern, legendary, uh, legendary dude. And next week, uh, Brian Madison will be on the show. He'll be our special guest. And at the end of the show, we'll reveal what movie we'll be taking a look at to find out if it holds up. We have the selection. The pick is in. So uh, I'm excited. It's going to be a good time. Any New Year's Eve plans tonight, Eric Branstrom? I'm going to go uh, have a nice, uh, quiet dinner with my wife and uh, say goodbye to this hellstorm and do our best. All right. Oh, okay. Well, I thought maybe uh, you would go on a bender because it's New Year's Eve. I'm going to get drunk. Good. <laughs> That's good. Travis, what about you? Are you, uh, you going to just relax and take in well, the lights? Friend of the show, uh, friends of the show, the Laskowskis, I should say, uh, a, a couple that we're friends with, is uh, they have a great outdoor setup where they um, they've got like uh, you know like two of those big or three of those like big like burning like fiery like outdoor warmers that bars have. Um, they got it all set up for some outside uh, some outside social distance kind of New Year's Eve action. So that's what I'll be doing this evening. Oh man! Yes, yes, yes. That yes, sounds like yes. a lot of fun. I am totally down with that. I'll probably be popping in after work if everything works out, depending on how right. New Year's Eve goes at work this evening. I'm working at a hotel and uh, New Year's Eve at hotels. Some people like to do that. They think it's special. Anywho, we hope you have a wonderful New Year's Eve. And on today's show, like we said, we'll be diving into Legends of the Fall to find out if does it hold up. 1994 classic. Uh, middle of the road trash and garbage i don't know we'll see i'm really curious because i haven't got any opinions during the week from this on uh any of you guys's sides so this is kind of a fresh one like you know last week we had kind of obvious you know how we knew screws would hold up and this week who knows but you know first uh, we want to dive into 2020 we want to take a look at some of the greatest and the worst and anything in between i know that i crammed a shitload of movies in to try to beat the clock on this one because I hadn't watched enough of 2020's best. I looked up 2020 top 10 list. I did it all and uh, I wanted to squeeze it in. How about you guys? Yeah, definitely. I uh, was able to squeeze in a hell of a lot of titles. Some I'm excited about others were a complete waste of time. I watched a lot of movies this week. I got 18 movies under my belt. It's like the old school days of the beginning of the, of the because uh, I was on break, you know, so I was able to get some big numbers under the belt. Wow. Okay. Well, let's uh, dive in. We're gonna do our. Uh, I guess we're basically our favorite movies or the best of 2020. Oh. Uh, if you want to throw out some trash too, uh, you can do that. But it's pretty much an open format. So let's get the ball rolling with anything you liked from last to first, Travis. I don't want to do it that way. Are we not doing quarantine viewing picks today? I got uh, all this other crap I'd rather talk about first, but if, if you want to blow the load and get that out of the way too, I guess we can go. This ahead is the 2020. This is what we fucking talked about doing. 
I don't know. We're not doing the uh, quarantine because it's going to be, it's going to be, all right, well, we can just skip the quarantine viewing picks this time, I guess. Um, Say whatever you want. doesn't matter. Well, uh, I want to talk about the the not so, you know, the movies that I watched this week that are not of particular interest. Um, (laughs) The Midnight Sky, uh, the reviews are accurate. It's incredibly dull. Um, Just incredibly dull movie. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a real shame. Um, Because, you know, Clooney's the man. Um, Is this the final nail in his directorial coffin? No, but he needs to come back with something strong. I mean, Suburbicon and then this. Like, it's been a long time since uh, Good good Night and Good Luck. Tomorrowland. Uh, Yeah, that was him too, wasn't it? That wasn't that great either. Um, Brad Bird. Oh, that was Brad Bird. Whatever, he's in it. It sucked. Um, I watched uh, Wonder Woman 1984, which everyone's dunking on, and... I could dunk on too. I don't want to spend too much time on it. I just want to say it's amazing to me in any film, let alone in something coming out of nerddom, when you take a character and you establish like these rules within the film, like this logic, this inner movie logic, these rules of how this character's powers in this case works, and then you just abandon them, like with like mm. a half hour left in the movie to go, just like oh, I'm just gonna just gonna change that now, just gonna gonna go in an opposite direction I mean, it's just just lots of like nonsensical things happening in this movie that just um did you watch it eric no i don't have hbo max but i heard yeah. scathing lambasting it's a piece of fucking garbage yeah it was it, it was not fantastic terrible um, patty jenkins got all this credit and now she sucked it was really she is to blame i don't know how much other bullshit got mixed into this but when you're at the helm just be look i talked about this with a friend yesterday real quick and you know, she, there was a lot. Wonder Woman was decent. It was a decent movie. It wasn't amazing. The first one. Okay. It was decent. That's my opinion. I liked it. It wasn't amazing. And Patty Jenkins got a lot of credit and there was a lot of excitement. And then this thing comes out and it's just the, the opening segment, Travis, it was from right at the opening segment. It really turned me off. It was like, does this, these people thought this opening segment was cool. That and I knew that things were gonna go downhill. That's how which, I felt about that. Which opening segment? Because there's like the two. opening, uh, it's like the competition. Oh, okay. I'm like, I, this I, is going out way too long. I'm like, what, they th- I'm like, where did he did this? Why are we seeing this? Yeah, you know, if you're gonna make a two and a half hour movie, you want to make it really good, and um, I don't think they bothered to do that. Um, oh. So I'm not recommending that one. Uh, I'm gonna skip some of the. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to get into everything I watched here, but. Um, uh, in terms of some critically acclaimed stuff that I watched, trying to see if it would hold up as as well as everyone's talking, um, I watched uh, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which uh, yeah, a lot of uh, good reviews. And uh, did you watch it, Eric? No, I I, I heard the buzz. Um, it's a it's a, it's a powerful movie. I think that everyone should watch it. I'm I'm never gonna watch it again because you're I, I mean, saw you're, it. You saw it. What'd you think? I loved it. Yeah, I mean it's really powerful. It's really powerful, but I, I can't yeah. imagine watching it over and over again. It's it's a it's a it's it's painful. I mean you're 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 living this experience with this young girl, and it's it's rough. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important, and everyone should watch it. Um, I watched Wolf Walkers, uh, Irish animation film that's getting a lot of high praise in comparisons to uh, uh, Miyazaki, and rightfully so. Not in terms of um, style exactly, but like in spirit. Um, it was a fun film, um, and I watched Sound of Metal. Eric, um, uh, Riz Ahmed obviously is uh, someone to watch. This guy is really doing powerful, uh, dramatic work, and, I, oh, and yeah. I'm glad to see him starring in something. I think that that's definitely worth catching. And I watched, <clears throat> yeah, and lastly, um, I watched Hamilton. 
Um, and as I mentioned to the guys yesterday, uh, Eric and, and Mike, I was ready to turn this off half an hour in. I was like, this is this is awful. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, big Frank Oz energy, just not like um, just not a good singer. I'm sorry. And I'm like ready to turn this oh. shit off. And then um, and then the Skyler sisters were introduced and uh, Liza Skyler's song came on and like. And I'm like, uh, I guess I can hang along with this. And um, and I got more into the Aaron Burr story as well. And I end up really, really enjoying it. I'm really Aaron Burr. Yeah, I got a little annoyed that, um, like, how many times are you going to rhyme Burr with Sir? <laughs> At one point, they rhymed Service. I'm like, fucking, are you kidding me? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so those, those are the ones I watched this week. Um, some pretty some pretty good movies. Oh, and I watched Soul as well, but I wrote a, um, I already wrote a review on that, and Eric's going to. On Instagram, Eric's going to talk about it too. But I'm no, gonna... I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> well, I mean, well, I watched it. Yeah, like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, I, 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 I watched Soul, uh, Mike. I did this just for you, buddy. I watched <laughs> another round. Hey, thanks, man. Wow, that's like Wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> I went to go watch it. I just didn't want to pay for it. That's the only wrong. wrong. Yeah, it's not good. You said it's 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 fine, but like it's kind of like what you see is what you get. The, the these four guys in Denmark decide that they're going to keep their blood alcohol level above five percent, twenty four hours a day, to see if they can stay stimulated but not overstimulated, so their lives are better and they're happier. Some bullshit. They they do it, and like it doesn't really work out because oh, you can't be drunk all the time, and then it's over. So. I mean, yeah, it's a, so this guy has this hypothesis and he's, you know, they're, they're like making a professional, honest, they're academics. They all work at a school and they think they're, you, know, you wouldn't they're think, smart. you wouldn't think when they're like, let's see what happens if we get really drunk. Cool. Like, Make sure you write like, this down. Sounds like beer fest. I like beer fest. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, but it, it's a lot more serious too than beer fest. Like beer fest beer is hilarious. drama. It, it's a, it's a dramedy. They try to they they like I thought it was mismarketed. I thought they labeled it as a comedy, but it's very much well. Much, it's I mad mean, it's that, deep introspection, you know, introspection scene. He's, uh, he's great in it, but it's got like that like the full money like European flair to it, where like it's very like kitschy and cheeky and stuff, where it could take advantage of some of the more dramatic moments. It gets like silly. I just yeah. I, I, what's the sinking its claws into me? But Mads was great. But yeah, I, I'm glad I'm I'm glad, I'm glad I saw it. I was, oh, you know, Thomas Vinterberg. I, I like Thomas Vinterberg. Yeah. Uh, and I, and it also, he did this in tribute to his daughter who died in a car accident. It was her cool. idea to do the movie because mm. apparently there's a big drinking problem in Holland and Denmark. And, yeah. and people are, you know, I, I thought maybe you might like it for a certain reason, but it didn't mean that that would be true. And that's okay. I, I can live with that. I mean, sometimes we take a chance and sometimes you oh, go. And that's what happened here. I pushed it. I took a chance. And thank you for watching it. I'm no problem, man. No problem. But yeah, I, you know, I watched Soul, and I'll go ahead and say that I found this to be one of the lesser Pixar efforts. I'd like to more than this. Thank you, Mike. Um, there were just elements that just felt a little bit tired for the body swap. I just wasn't feeling it. It's like that's what you guys came up with for this 45 minute chunk. <laughs> and like 22, that little white middle-aged character. I was like, why, why are you in this? I thought this was gonna finally just focus on this you know, African American family and they tossed in this white savior to like have him to have to deal with for like an hour. Like get the fuck isn't out he of saving, here, isn't, he saving, isn't he saving her? That okay, that's what I mean. Like 
I'd would rather him work on saving himself, maybe work with his family instead. Oh, help the middle-aged white girl for an hour. It's, I wasn't it's, it's, they make really clear in the movies she's not actually a middle-aged white girl. They make that she was presented as such just so yeah, Disney can not alienate its white audience. It's it's a phase of voice. Anyway. I know. I know. Oh I know. boy. As long as I've known you, Eric, you have had strong opinions about movies and you oscillate wildly to the other side of things and uh, suddenly love it. So I hope that this is one you change your mind on. I'll give it another chance well, for you. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. It's just three, times, three times with this quote? Three times. It's yeah. just your opinion. I mean, we have a lot of opinions on this show. But I mean, but I, think yeah. Eric, I think Eric's right. I'm glad I stand. I support you, Eric. Oh, you watched Did it? you see it? Did you see it? No. <laughs> oh, well, come on now. Wrong. I don't know if I'm right. I mean, I don't think I'm right or wrong. I'm just saying for me, I wish they didn't have the 22 character. I just bogged everything down and felt too familiar, like like early Pixar Bugs Life stuff. Like, get out of here. I'm more interested in this Joe character. But, you know. <laughs> okay. What else you watch? I, I got to say, I mean... For 2020, I my top five is pretty much what I what I was catching up on. So I'm really in. I'll go ahead and tell you that my uh, number five for my uh, top five of 2020 was Mank or Wank, as uh, you and the <laughs> on Instagram like to call it. Uh, I just thought it was a beautiful like it. picture. Um, and four for me was Sound of Thunder. I'll bring it up because you had already sound of metal? It, thought it was sound, sound of Metal. Yeah, why the fuck did I write Sound of Thunder? Isn't that, yeah, that uh, great? Great Bradbury shit. I don't know what that Found is. On the metal. I just thought I loved it. I, especially that just the interactions with the uh deaf community. I'd never seen anything like that represented in a film, and I thought it deserved a lot of credit for that alone. Wow. Right. I thought it was I need to see that one. That's the one I haven't oh, seen. I so. so. uh, no, I know. Sorry, uh Mank's the one I haven't seen. I gotta see Mank. So. Wank. Wank. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Wank is funny. Oh boy, this breakfast bunch shit is uh, already a little bit. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll give it a shot. But uh, I don't know, Mike. What about you? I don't even know what we're talking about now. We're doing quarantine. We're about, we're I mean, about we, can, we can start mixing them in, but what, let's talk 2020. I want to narrow down maybe the top five. Or, yeah, or, yeah, give us your quarantine viewing picks and then throw us your number five. I loved another round. I really did. I thought it was a lot of fun. And uh, it was important to me, but it doesn't mean that everyone else has to like it. And I'm willing to live with that. I've grown <laughs> as a human being and it's I've accepted. I've accepted that uh, I'm going to make mistakes on occasion. But as far as what I watched this week, I want to recommend a couple films. And I think they'll provide you joy in 2021 because, you know, we really need it. 2020 was I heard it sucked. Some people said it wasn't great. And I think we're looking for better days in this coming year. And hopefully we'll get a vaccine and we'll have fun again. We can maybe do the podcast in person. That'd be fun. What if we did it That'd together? Be a lot of fun. Be amazing. Cool. Be, you know, me and Travis live closer together, so we could definitely be together more often, and that would be cool. And I got, I don't. Anyways, I, I have a lot of excitement that one day we'll all get together, and Eric will make the road trip up. But as far as what I watched this week, boy, I, I crammed in 2020 like a motherfucker, and uh, I went <laughs> ape shit. But <laughs> I also watched some other movies besides that. Um, I watched Dirty Grandpa. It's fucking terrible. What the fuck? I uh, never seen it, but I I wanted to get it off the books. Uh, Zach Efron, I. I complained about. I think Zach Efron's overrated. Uh, De Niro's just old and doing whatever he wants at this point, so that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Give me grandpa. Um, I watched Shazam. I never seen Shazam. Okay, what'd you think? That was that was fun. I enjoyed it's my favorite it. DC movie. Oh. I, lo I love Shazam. Yeah, it's great. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Actually, I what I say is, uh, yeah, I think it's the only good DC movie. I should say, but carry on. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, where's that drop? Jenkins in your face. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
It's not your fault. It's not including Batman. And includes Batman v Superman and oh, uh, yes, yes, Justice yes, League and Suicide Squad, which is terrible. Yeah, correct. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> You're right. It, it's not that hard to do that. But Shazam's fun. It's a it's it starts out a little like oh man, but then you know it was fun. I had a good time. I recommend it. It's a Christmas movie as well. So if you're looking for the holidays, you know, you're still in the holiday spirit. You want to squeeze it in. It's the Christmas movie. It is, in my opinion. Uh, I watched We Bought a Zoo. This is the last Cameron Crowe movie, the last Cameron Crowe film that I never I have to see every Cameron Crowe movie. And I can't believe I never watched this one. I love 10 years old now, too. Yeah, it came out in 2011 and Matt Damon. uh, Scarlett, How how do you push play looking at that title, uh, Mike, knowing what we know about Cameron Crowe's recent I know the, exactly. That's the point. The title of the movie itself: "We Bought a Zoo." Yeah, we, we bought a zoo. Well, that's what pro- that's what turned me off originally. I'm like, this sounds absurd, right? So it delayed me. But I'm I'm sorry to say that I uh, waited that long because this movie was wonderful. It was a beautiful film about the struggle and overcoming di- challenges and you know facing up to the real adventure in life. It really touched me, and I got a little emotional. I, okay, I'm glad I saw this film. Well so done, much. Cameron. So, did they literally have to like feed rhinos and shit like like upkeep a zoo or is it like a metaphor if you want to know that's yeah you should literally watch yeah well that doesn't give it away they do buy a zoo it, it, there's other things that go on yes I mean, really the, zoo. the name of the movie is we bought a fucking zoo so. yeah <laughs> i was hoping that was a metaphor for like grief or tragedy or something no uh that is not the case i wish it was I this it was- whole movie and there's no squids or whales in it what the fuck <laughs> that's funny i think I think this movie has a lot more going on, and I'd recommend it to everybody. But yes, they buy a zoo. It's also based on a real zoo in England, not in California. It's called the Dartmoor Zoo, which is open. I mean, maybe not today, but they're usually open. It's a real place you could still visit, and they have a website that says, hey, we're the We Bought a Zoo Zoo. So good for them. And uh, it showed me that Camera Crow still has it, by the way, because um, it was nine years ago, I know, but. He still got it. I know Aloha was the disaster. We can't go out on Aloha. I know Roadies was cool. That was a TV show, but I'm talking a feature-length film. I want to see Cameron Crowe come back with something and reestablish himself because it can't be uh, Aloha as the farewell. I like 10, the Pearl Jam, do- or, or was it 20, the Pearl Jam documentary he did. Yeah, that was the year before that. We bought a zoo, but yeah. Again, 10 years ago. So, poor Cameron. Uh, Vanilla Sky, by the way, we did a show on that. And that's a year in review if you want to go back and listen to it. I watched Dark Phoenix. What a fucking joke, man. Well, I did it, though. I had to do it. I did it. It's done. It's over. Put, put watch it away. New, watch New Mutants. Yeah, shit. I forgot. God damn it. I wish I would have. someone would have said that. I, I wanted to watch it. Uh, but we'll always have Days of Future Past and First Class. Those were good yeah, films. Yeah, that's great. great. Yeah, so they should have stopped there. And then uh, I, I think uh, it starts to get into 2020 stuff. So, yeah, I, we can move into that zone. Um, yeah, give us your number five or whatever. Okay. Another, another round? My number five is I'm going to go Greyhound. Now, this movie surprised me. Wow. Tom, Tom Hanks, World War II film. Okay, boring, right? Typical, been there, done that. Not but No, this is a... This is a very, what's the word, uh, pinpoint kind of tactical film. It's That's very. I'm hearing. I'm hurting. It's like less entertaining, just like so technically, like very trying technical. to be accurate without like much of a story. But 
Oh, there's a story, uh, but it's just very technical, and it's based on a, a, a convoy, you know. So before World War II starts, you know, we had the uh, the convoys going across. The Allies are supporting the Britain, Britons, the Britons, <laughs> because we needed to help them. The, the Lend-Lease Act and all that bullshit. And so this is one of those where a guy, Captain, first-time Captain Tom Hanks, is going to be covering the convoy as one of the lead warships and... Uh, that's that's the story. How do they got to get there? U-boats. Watch out. You ever heard of them? That's the that's the enemy in this film. And Tom Hanks does Tom Hanks. But I liked it because it was like very fast paced and it didn't pull any punches. And I, I was surprised how much I liked it. I really I'm still surprised as we're talking about it right now. I'm I'm recommending it. I really am. All right. Okay. All right. Um, my number five, I, I felt like there was, this was a good year for streamers, unsurprisingly. Um, I feel like it was a good year for horror as well. I'm going to give a quick shout out to my, uh, my, uh, you know, a special nod to his, his house for on Netflix, but my number five, I'm going to give up to host um, from, from oh, Shutter. Um, I, it. it's like, it's like 70 minutes long. It's incredibly mm-hmm. fast. And it starts off, and I'm like, this is like every other fucking horror movie. Like, I, I think, I, again, like Hamilton, I think I considered turning it off, like, after the first 10 or 15 minutes. It was kind of like, meh. And I was kind of, mm-hmm. like, playing around on my phone. And then, like, as the movie went on, like, the phone was – I could have thrown it across the room. I was just, like, eyes peeled, just wrapped with attention with this movie. I, I think it's a really strong horror film, um, really cleverly done. I know that it's – I know that it's not the most original premise, but um, – I think I feel like it's pulled off in a way that is uh, exceptionally good. And if you want just a, a fast, entertaining horror film, I couldn't recommend uh, Host anymore. That's great. Yeah, I, my Shutter subscription expired, but I really wanted to see that. I'm glad you mentioned that. I might go back and check it out. Yeah, <sighs> We're going to miss you. We're going to miss you, Shutter. <laughs> you know what? I, I do want to take a quick opportunity to run down just a, a few that I caught up on. Um I fucking watched Terminator Dark Fate. I, I don't know why. Like, for some reason, like, I'm on, like, an Arnold kick. I have no explanation for this. I've never really cared that much about Arnold. But <laughs> I just keep watching these Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. And I don't know how to explain myself. Because um, he's a handsome man. Kill your own kind. Right? I mean, he's a happy, fun-going guy. Who doesn't want to watch Arnold on film? When it comes to Terminator Dark Fate, I'd heard the negative views. They say this destroyed the, the franchise. It's an absolute goddamn nightmare. I kind of liked it. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I thought, the, the, especially the quiet, the, like the action was just like CGI trash, but like the quiet moments were were really interesting and engaging. Linda Hamilton was good. Arnold was still solid. So I don't know what everyone's talking about. I, I dug it. Denied. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen Conan the Barbarian? Yeah. I should never seen that. It's fucking ridiculous. How the hell did this movie get made? It was the 80s. Yeah, uh, it, it, John Milius and Oliver Stone screenplay. It's like it, I can't explain it. You have to see it. I mean, I actually really ended up liking it. It's I've, so I've heard fucking it. weird. James Earl Jones is like this snake monster with these bright blue eyes. <laughs> it makes no fucking sense. Uh, um, I haven't seen it since the '80s, so yeah, I don't know if it's a uh, perfect or not. But I do know that it was fun when I was a kid. But you know, I'm that's a guy. You know what? I went back and took a look at Crimson Tide. I had never seen this from 1995. I always missed it. Uh, I fucking loved it. I'm the commander of this ship! Uh, it's my favorite Tony Scott movie, even more so than uh, True Romance. 
All right. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way. It's, I mean, I, I don't, but a lot of people do. It's pretty pretty widely regarded well. Yeah. I didn't think oh. I would care at all. Like, the sub, who cares? Like, they're yelling at each other in the, in the brig. Who cares? I love it. <laughs> you went on a Tony Scott Bender, didn't you? Yeah, I watched Taking it one, uh, Pelham 1, 2, 3. Uh, Gemini Man. I, I don't know what I was thinking. It was like midnight. I'm like, what the fuck? Who cares? Will Smith. It was interminable. And I mean, I can't believe Ang Lee directed this piece of shit. It was so bad and boring. The actors are sleepwalking for the entire two hours and 40 minutes. Two hours and 40 and you sat through it? God. Yeah. I couldn't find the remote, so I just sat there and watched the poor <laughs> CGI and the shitty acting. Wow. That's... that's... Frightening. I, I watched 1917. I missed it last year. I finally checked oh. it out. Um, I, I, I was kind of bored. I don't know what to tell you guys. I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for this. I was kind of bored. I sat there and marveled at the technical aspects and the direction, the beautiful cinematography by Roger Deakins, but I was kind of bored. Why are Why your are opinions your opinion? so bad? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong! I'm That's sorry. Did you guys yeah, see you're it? Isolation. <laughs> you're, you're so funny about your opinions, Eric. I'm, that's something we'll always look forward to in 2020. I like please, but I get worried. If I don't like something, I, I get really anxious. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I thought 1917 was great, but to each their own. It was also the last movie I saw in theaters, and it definitely was one I felt like yeah. that was an, important uh, to see it in theaters. I don't ah! know if yeah. the first time on, on the home screen would have worked as well. Uh, Mike, what's your, what's your number four, bud? Oh, uh, well, by the way, uh, the Tony Scott reference, remember, uh, I got, you got me to see a movie I'd never seen by Tony Scott, uh, Spy Game. That's something I watched over the last week. I'd never seen it. Oh. And, uh, I love those type of movies. It's perfect. Well, I'm it was dead. fun for me because it's Robert Redford and he's on the move. But the fact that they try to make Brad Pitt 25 years younger in Vietnam is just so stupid. <laughs> He'd be like a baby. That was, really kind of, that was a little dumb, but I kind of enjoyed it still. My number four overall is going to go to... I mentioned it recently. Uh, Palm Springs. I loved Palm Springs. It's a fun wow. movie. Really a lot of fun. And it's got a lot more going on than just the comedy. Andy Sandberg showing some, showing a little bit of range in this movie, possibly. Really? Uh, not like, not, you know, he might not win an Academy Award or anything, but he can, he can do it all, I think. I think he's a very talented dude. And this film is a ton of fun. It's just fun, man. And yeah. Maybe it's a Groundhog Day remake, whatever you want to say, but it's not. There's other things going on here, too. But and, I and I think it was one of the year's best. It, it didn't make it in my top five, but it, it was it was in my top six or seven. Like, I, it was one that I that I ended up cutting. But, like, it's I, – I do I do think it's one of the year's best as well. well that's good. We, we have rules, and, you know, you want to make sure that, that we're all sticking to them. Thank you. I don't know what you said because you had something else. Yeah, I, I heard some weird noise. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, my number four um, – I gotta give it up to Spike Lee's *The Five Bloods*. Um, I oh! thought that movie was was pretty fantastic. Delroy Lindo um, deserves an Oscar for this film. Uh, I don't know that he'll get Best Supporting Act, uh, you know, unless he gets nominated for Best Actor for it. Because I, I feel like that um, I feel like um, Chadwick Boseman's probably a shoe in for Best Supporting Actor. Um, so I'm hoping Delroy gets nominated for Best Actor. Hopefully, uh, I, I thought it was a really powerful movie. Spike Lee has been on a, on a bit of a tear lately. And, um, I, I, you know, I thought it was just a really well done movie. And I think that I, I know that not everyone felt that way, but for me, it was a, like the first movie I watched in 2020. I'm like, thank God, a new movie. And I'm like, oh, it's actually really good. And then it, and like, 
it didn't get much better than that throughout the rest of the year. I mean, it was, it's a pretty great movie. So Defy Bloods. I, I watched it because of you this week. I wanted to make sure I squeezed it in. And it started out like, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to love this movie. But it kind of faded for me. But Delroy Lindo was incredible. Yeah, he was fucking awesome in it. I yep. didn't care for the movie, but I, I hope he gets the nomination. I like the way it started. It's it's disappointing. Okay, Eric, what about you? My number three is The Lodge. I thought it was a fucking amazing horror movie from 2020. Riley Keough continues to impress. I, I kind of, I, it's two things. I, I kind of want more people to hire her so I can see more of her work, but I also kind of like how she's on the DL playing just these regular characters. I'm afraid they're going to like exploit her into some, some bullshit. But that beautiful, like isolating thrill, uh, horror thriller, really fucking creepy. Uh, it's it's the best horror movie I've seen all year. It, it's one of the best horror movies of the year. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, you know I didn't see that. <laughs> uh, I'll take your word for it. I believe you. I do believe you. Uh, all right. So then my number three is uh, The Boys in the Band. I really love The Boys in the Band. Oh, wow. It was a very powerful film. When I first got into it, I'm like, what the hell's going on? I was a little like, is this for me? And by the time I was done with it, I was like, I love this film. And I love just the, the honesty. And I would like to be in a group like that where people are just so blatantly, brutally honest with each other about their feelings about one another and what their actions and how they make them feel. And I thought Zachary Quinto should maybe be nominated. I thought he was outstanding. But Jim Parsons would probably be like the best actor nom if it came to that. But I don't think he deserves it. I think Zachary Quinto was very unique in this. He, he really took it to a different range than I've seen him in other films. So. Was it a theatrical release? Could it, are they going to be? It was a Netflix, I believe. It was, it was a streamer, oh. one of the streamers. It was a streamer. Okay. Yeah, I still need to catch that. To catch Strong that. recommend on that. Um, my number three, I watched this week. And um, I was aware that it had been out since October. And like, I'm like, oh, I'll definitely get around to that because I'm a big David Byrne fan and and I love the Talking Heads so much. But like, I hadn't really, you know, I've only followed a couple David Byrne albums and the newest album, American Utopia, I hadn't really listened to much. So I was like, I'll get around to it. And then it started showing up on a bunch of best of uh, lists. And I watched it. And let me tell you, I'm a huge Talking Heads fan. I'm a huge fan of Stop Making Sense. This is better than Stop Making Sense. This is fucking wow. in incredible. I wept through this thing. I mean, it's it's profound. It is joyful. It is, um, you know, he's, he spent years um, working with color guards and um, um, like marching bands and stuff like that. And it really shows like um, this is just something else. This is something very different. Uh, he does a bunch of songs from American Utopia, which I had not heard before, but which are all fantastic. And he does a bunch of songs by the Talking Heads. And I really just want to ruin it and start wow. naming all the songs yeah. that, 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 that get done because there are some deep cuts. Um, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I, I was really, you know, never going to see, we're not, I'm never, they're one of the bands I've always wanted to see live. I, I never will. And this was a year where we were all just deprived of live music. And um, this was, if you want a, a cinematic uh, experience again, and, and also directed by Spike Lee. So, um, uh, and, and you know, he's on two out of two out of five of my movies this, this year. Um, so definitely check it out. American Utopia is an experience. Wow. Yes, 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 yes. You just took one of mine off my list. So I might, I might switch one out because that was coming up on my list. <laughs> okay. It was, yeah, I completely agree with you, Travis. This oh, so good. So I've been sitting good. here like waiting for it to come out. I had no idea it, it was available anymore. Oh, no. It's, it's on HBO Max. Yeah, it's been, oh. out. It's been out for a while. Uh, fuck. It's so good. It's, it's so been, good. I'm, David Byrne. I, I don't always like him. He's kitschy in times and can be a little annoying, but this is. Yeah, I disagree. 
<laughs> well, I love the Talking Heads, but I like people in that band more than him. But this is a really well done. This is really an outstanding one of the year's best, no doubt. Wow, that's that's fucking awesome. Um, yeah, you know, going back to Arnold, I did watch Jingle all the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you follow? Uh, I've spent the past twenty seven years of my life like laughing at the idea of this film, thinking it's a fucking goddamn joke. Oh, I so. laughed. I laughed. I had never seen it. I was I was laughing. I genuinely enjoyed it. Good, good for you. Judge oh. movies before you see them. You know, that's one of the big lessons I'm learning about this uh, podcast between Heaven's Gate and Jingle All the Way. Like, I, I'm done listening to what people say. I'm 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 ready to go out there and give these films my own uh, my own uh, opinion on them. So is this your, you. number, your number two of, two of 2020 is 1997. Jingle all the way. All right, Mike. Yeah, but I, I did have to mention that. I also want to mention the fact that I watched Scary Movie Two, and Anna Ferris is on a different planet. Uh, I was laughing out loud the entire time. It's still so funny. Yeah, it's not even close to the first one, but that's cool. My number two is Hamilton. Um, Travis, you said it all. Oh I mean, uh, what can you say? I mean, you know, I was a little worried about putting on a list because they just kind of filmed the play, but that's the thing. I love the way they filmed it. I mean, it was directed like just masterfully. They they hit every note and like the camera was in the right place all the time. The sound was fucking incredible. I loved it. Not as much as my number one that I just saw last night for the first time, but I did love it. We, we wait with our breath baited. Yeah, I hope so. That's my intention. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, my number two was American Utopia. It was. Um, it was just so good. What else can you say? Uh, but didn't mean to steal your thunder, but it is it is an incredible experience. Yeah, it, it's it's something you have to watch. I think it's not it's not just like David Byrne like like looking in a mirror like with like dumb shit floating have around. You, have, you ever watched, have you ever watched uh, Stop Making Sense? No. Oh well, watch that. What? And uh, <laughs> and then. Ask questions. You have some work to do. Yeah, you might want right. to maybe do a double feature. That could be a fun night for you. Yeah, that would be fun. I'll report next week. Uh, at any rate, uh, yeah, uh, you know what? Gonna switch it up now. I think I'd like to. Th- you gonna bump up what it was number six to number two on your list? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't. You can talk about it. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna throw. Okay, I'm gonna throw it in just for the hell of it. Uh, uh, I really should. The trip to Greece came out, and every time the trip comes out, I'm. I'm immediately a sucker, and I love it. And even if it's not the best one, it's one of my favorites. The trip, Coogan, Rob Brydon, just doing their thing in Greece this time. I fucking yeah. love it. Make sure you watch it. It came out this year, and we're blessed that we've had so many trips. And as long as they're alive, maybe they'll do every country in the world before they die. Who knows? But Michael Winterbottom and these guys, you can't miss with the trip to Greece. Yeah, check that one out. Yeah, and Winterbottom, what an underrated director, man. Like, that guy has just been doing solid gold. Oh, yeah. Great work since the 90s. and Just, just like Eric always mentions, 24-hour part of people. You know, yeah, uh, he's great. Welcome to Sarajevo. It was amazing. Oh, um, all right, my number two, uh, I've I've already talked about once on this show, and um, surprisingly enough, it's it's a documentary. It's my octopus teacher. I I, I loved my Oct- wow. octopus teacher so much. I mean, I, and I won't spend too much time on it because I already did once before. But this is this is an incredibly um, beautiful story about life. And I don't, I, you know, I'm an animal lover, and and I had respect for octopuses before I watched this. So maybe I was a little bit biased, but I feel like anybody could see this and get a lot out of it. Like even someone that just doesn't care about animals i think would i mean there are times where it's extremely manipulative and kind of melodramatic and you're like oh okay buddy um but overall it's 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 well worth watching it's on netflix and i couldn't recommend it more it's my second favorite movie of the year 
Yay! Absolutely. I'm with you all the way. So I, I haven't seen it, but oh, I support you. you. You had such a response to it, such a wonderfully emotional response to it that I, I have to assume it's a beautiful film. I, I would like yeah. to watch it, Phil. Yeah. I got to get on that. So. Eric, I guess it's time for you to reveal your number one. If you want to throw out an honorable mention, this is your last chance. But you're muted, but no one will ever hear you as long as you're muted. I need to tell you that. I'll throw out a dishonorable mention to Bill and Ted Face the Music. That was just crushing blow to an uh, already shitty year. I mean, all that time, and that's the script that was handed in, was just painful for me. Um, I also uh, wanted to very quickly mention how much I loved Why Stop Now from, I think, 2012. Uh, a little bit of a Jesse Eisenberg pick. Uh, Tracy Morgan and uh, Melissa Leo. I fucking love that movie so much. It's so good uh, if you haven't seen it. Um, my number one is The Way Back, starring Ben Affleck, directed by Kevin, uh, Gavin O'Connor. It came out last year, kind of, uh, molded in year. and out of theaters. Yeah, early, 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 uh, 2020. Uh, I remember hearing the buzz early in the year, and I, I, I was like, whatever, like, I don't give a shit about basketball movies. What, he's got uh -huh. like, the inner center team, but like, no, it's a powerful beautiful movie about um, addiction and, and trauma and pain and redemption. I absolutely give it my strongest recommendation of the year. Ben Affleck is fucking incredible. It deserves the Oscar. Oh, I thought it was a solid watch. Yeah, yeah, it's a solid watch. I agree with Travis. Uh, by the way, Eric, you told me you wanted me to watch Why Stop Now because you watched I it. I did. I had seen it. And I double checked, like I said, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I'd seen this, but I might have been high and it was slightly fell out of my brain. But I definitely remembered it once I turned it Hilarious. on. Uh, you seen that one, Travis? Why stop now? Jesse Eisenberg, Tracy Morgan. No, it's really Check fun. It <laughs> you would like it, Travis. Uh, Melissa Leo. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really interesting film. I'd recommend it. Uh, what do we watch it on? It's on one of the. You can watch Showtime. Was that what Showtime, it was? Showtime. Yeah, yeah. So you can watch it, Travis, if you'd like to. You can't make me. Oh, I don't want you to. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, consent. Consent is required on all film viewings. All right, there it is. Wow. Okay, so it's time for the number one. A uh, quick honorable mentions. Uh, Bill and Ted was awesome. I really liked Bill and Ted a lot, and I had a ton of fun with it. So that is definitely something I would still recommend you guys watch. Uh, it was surprising that they put a good little effort into it. It wasn't. It was weird, but it, I still enjoyed it a lot. I really zero did. effort. You what's that? Z zero effort. But uh, you know, keep going. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I, it started, right? I haven't watched it. No desire. I have a desire, but I've, I've I've heard. I guess I've I've heard such terrible things that I, was just, I didn't bother. But um, that, now it's showing up on a bunch of people's uh, end of the year list that I've seen. You're not the first person I've heard say it's one of the year's best. So uh, I mean, I'm gonna watch it. Of course, it just hasn't been at the top of my list of things to do. Yeah, it wasn't mine either. But I'm like, oh shit, I haven't, I forgot about it. it I had I totally watch, forgotten uh, about it. Critical completely. condition from 1987. That was cool. Ooh. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> that, that was that's that's like. I feel like that's a slap in the face to Bill and Ted, but whatever, we'll let it slide. Uh, yeah, so that uh, Bill and Ted was surprised me. Uh, it's a movie called Tommaso with Willem Dafoe. Really good. Check that yeah, one out. Um, uh, good. It's a little dry, but it's it's great. I, I also watched The Assistant. The Assistant is very uncomfortable, but it's great. That just missed my top five list. I, I want to recommend The Assistant. It's basically uh, Harvey Weinstein's story. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But, but he's never like. He's just this ominous figure in it, and it's all about the assistant, and it's really a great idea. I'm glad someone thought of doing it and putting it to screen because it gives you more of a feel. Um, 
And then Athlete A is a documentary about the USA Gymnastics nightmare with Larry Nasser. Um, obviously, something that, like you, you said, with the, uh, you know, sometimes uh, never always uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, something you might not watch again, but uh, definitely worth a watch and very, very well done. There's pieces of shit out there beyond Larry Nasser who deserve to be, you know, reckoned Rock with yeah. yes yeah absolutely totally and ma rainey's black bottom that was good uh but wasn't in my top five uh even though chadwick boseman deserves a lot of respect for that i'm, I'm happy with him getting the oscar no doubt about it but um i don't know if, the movie I, itself is i mean it was good but it wasn't one of the year's best i've been oh, really? thinking about I it like, be your top five okay All right, yeah, i've been thinking about it a lot lately and i wonder if it might have been better if they kind of can this might be a bold statement but if they maybe contemporized it and had it take place here in present day, I think you could say a lot. He's like, it's going to be a bold statement. It should have been more. There should have been more white people in the movie. Not at all, dude. You could have the exact same themes, but you know, you know. I, I, no, I don't. It's, Ma Rainey. it's about Ma Rainey. How the fuck do you? Are you going to have her time travel? She's a real person, you know. <laughs> No. All right. <laughs> That's funny. All right, but yeah, my number one this year, I just loved another round. You know, not everybody may love it, but for it's me, it's my, it's my number one. Wow. It is. Wow. I, it just affected me in a way because I, you know, people out there, they just kind of trudge through life and they never stop to take a look at like, wow, what if I, what if my lack of doing anything, I'm not hurting anybody but I'm actually hurting others and loved ones because I'm not doing anything. And some people don't even recognize that. And then things fall apart. And then some people can't even understand how it came to be, or that maybe it was their fault when it comes to relationships, uh, their children, their families. And it's way more than just, you know, drinking comedy. Yes. There's drinking hijinks in this film, but it's nowhere near like a beer fest or anything. It's very much as Eric said, it's, it's European. Dependency it's, comedy. They spend like the two thirds <laughs> of it just romanticizing the idea of stimulation. Uh, you know, in yes, unhealthy doses, and then right, they're like, "Oh, yeah, it's you already, you already talked about it." Let's right, talk about right, number right, one. All right, because they're right, death. Right. Yes, they're, yes, they're so so. Mads Mikkelsen character, character in particular is very desperate. Very desperate. He. Uh, uh, Hey, there we go. I don't know what happened there. He's a very desperate man. He's, I don't know, you know, he's lost his way. He was a very talented guy. All four of the main four dudes with the buddies are their teachers, and they're all kind of floating in their lives in different ways. And they get together and then they come up with the idea. You're right. And that's no spoiler on that. But how things go from there is very, it's very realistic to me. This, this was not like an out of like, out of body experience film. This is real life in in particular a country that I don't understand as well or know as well either. And I think it's important that since I don't understand the country as well, I need to give it a little bit more leeway because I don't want to assume that I know everything about how their society works. And it's a different world than what's going on in the United States. And I don't want to be an asshole and be like, oh, this is dumb or that's not how things would go. I give them the benefit of the doubt. And it really touched me in a way that surprised me too, which is also why I give it credit. Now, maybe... You know, maybe I could even put Utopia one, but I decided to go through another round one, and that was I'm happy with that. I'll I'll look back on this episode and be like, you know what? I'm happy with my choice, and I'm proud of what they did in that film. Well, I imagine we'll have we'll be able to retouch on this stuff around Oscar time uh, once we've watched some of the movies that, um, like I, I you know I would like to have seen Tenet. I would have liked to see News of the World, Nomadland. <laughs> you know, I would have liked to have yeah. seen these movies before having this conversation. I would have liked to have watched uh, another round, which I literally almost rented last night. But I, I will it, watch it's that. Definitely going to win uh, the best foreign film of the best year, uh, feature length. It's I think it's a lockdown that one, yeah, just because there's not a lot. 
we'll see what the Koreans have to offer. They've been coming real strong lately. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. We'll see. But you know, they got the star power with Mads too, so it might be unfair. It might. It, maybe it shouldn't even be that. But it's definitely a foreign film. It's completely subtitled. There's no English. Yeah, like, so. yeah, like the Hunt. Um, I, I get that they got to make their money and do business, but I just it just sucks that some of these movies I really wanted to see are just like fucking twenty dollars. I can't pull the yeah. trigger. I wanted to see Let Him Go with Kevin. No. Uh, John Patrick Shanley's newest uh, Wild Wild uh, what's it called Wild Country Time I think it's called. Yeah. Um, I really want to see that. I love him so much, but like I'm just, I just just want to pay twenty dollars to see a Can't movie. First I mean, cow. <laughs> I, I saw First Cow. It, oh, it did. Yeah, it was, I mentioned it on the show before. It was good. Yeah, it was okay, good. Not, not my top five. My, all right, yeah. my, my number one. I actually I'll, I'll get into that now. Um, now the it's the one of the ironies I think of having a show like this is that you know we're a review show and and when you review something especially if you feel really strongly about it you can almost turn people off from it like there's a reason why i didn't watch hamilton for a long time because everybody's excessive uh like like obsession with this movie turned me off and the play rather on the soundtrack everything it just turned me off and i'm like i I just you know so i'm I'm a little wary to talk about my favorite movie of the year because i don't want to make anyone feel like you know like like to turn them off where they're not going to watch it you know uh and and but i watched a movie and there's a there's a phrase that eric likes to use pretty often um that um we make fun of him for it's life affirming, right? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Uh, but when, when Eric, I think when you use the phrase life affirming, you don't mean that it's affirming your life. Like watching this movie validates your entire existence. You're just saying, if I'm reading you right, that this film, whatever film in question has made you think about life in a profound way and made you, it, it affirms existence. It's an existential film and it makes you, um, happy and glad about life and that's what soul did for me i since i watched soul i have not stopped thinking about this movie i have not stopped listening to the score i've had some really emotional showers listening to the score (laughs) um it is a um an incredible to me again i'm afraid to like oversell it to people but for me um it spoke to me so much um about the brevity of life the the importance of um taking time to not focus on your dreams but to focus on the relationships in your life and and how dreams can sometimes even distract you from um those people in your life that are most important and which in the movie's not saying hey don't go for your dreams it's not saying that at all but it's 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 um I think there's just there's a lot in this movie, and I, and I know it might be too much for kids, but I don't have any kids, so who fucking cares? I watched this movie and I loved it, and I thought it said incredibly important things about life and existence, and um, I'm going to watch it again and again. So beautifully said, Travis, and you've hit on you know you know I'm how I feel about the film, but that is one thing that they did a great job on, and it's uh, your purpose in life. I mean, you can make a big deal out of purpose but like what what, what my idol is fred rogers he says you don't have to go out there and do anything grand to be special you're special uh, automatically everyone is special you don't have to do anything to prove that you're special you don't really have to have a purpose uh you know if your purpose is to just be a good person enjoy life and appreciate the good things then you're going to probably have a good life and i think that's one of the big messages of that story yeah, and the movie it literally made me think of life a little differently. And if cinema is doing that for, for a person, you know, then that's really achieving great things. Yes, 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 yes
Couldn't agree more, guys. Well done. And that's it. That's our top five best of 2020, ladies and gentlemen. I got to tell you, a soul that was you sold so well. So maybe I'll watch it now. I probably wouldn't watch it otherwise, but that was that was a good. I hope everybody adjusts their expectations. I, I mean, like you know, that's that's my that's my that's my fear. Uh, Fern, yeah. our buddy Fern's kicking in with the, the the soul is very good. He says watch it with the kids a few times now, and it's amazing. Great messages and the visuals are phenomenal. It is. It's it's oh. a, it's artistry is incredible. As it started, I'm like, oh, it looks like Pixar. Then it kind of like gets weirder. I'm like, oh my god, this is. Yeah, how do, how do you visualize like passion? They did it in, in <laughs> a huge way. Hmm. Interesting. I thought maybe you're going to go to a different direction than Soul, and now I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> but uh, hey, good for you. I thought you were going to say Hamilton for a second, but you know, I I, I sucks. I wanted to see all of Steve McQueen's films about. Uh, yeah, yeah that that is. God damn it! I, I couldn't do it. I, I I could not get myself in the mood. I, I, I feel we left it. that out. Yeah, no, we're I, I, yeah. I no, I absolutely will do it. And the only thing stopping me is like, motherfucker, six movies. Like, or whatever. I'm like, that's 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 a lot to bite off. Like, I'm going to watch it. Everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely going to watch it. They're getting great reviews, and Stephen yeah. Queen is a great director. Oh, but I'm just like, yeah. fucking, this is, sounds like a chore. Just, yeah. I mean, hey, maybe, uh, maybe we'll all get on the same page. We'll watch some of them, and like we'll do a, a good idea. We'll just give a segment to it. Maybe maybe do half and half yeah. one week, like half. Yeah. One week, half next. yeah, I definitely. I'm with you. We should watch them. Stephen Queen is very talented. Steve, yeah. if you're watching or you listen, uh, we, we love, love you. Steve. We love you. Yeah. We adore you. <laughs> There it is. Uh, wow. You got any favorites of 2020? Uh, something god awful that no one should ever watch from 2020 that should be like burned? Uh, let us know. CinemaNightPodOfProtonMail.com. Your opinions are always welcome. Uh, we appreciate everything that you guys contribute to the show this year. Uh, we've already got comments. Uh, we have people today that we've never even seen on the show before. Uh, Matthew Mikula is commenting, saying oh, that too much crying in one. Too much crying in Wonder Woman. And Jen Brooks says this is fantastic. So uh, these are people yeah, I haven't yeah. seen in years. So uh, good to see you guys. Thank you for contributing. And everybody like Derek, you, you know, Derek, we may even label yeah. you our number one fan. I know Angela is a big fan of the show too. Angela, we'll have you back on soon. Don't worry, Angela. You'll be back. Hang tight. Eric already told us that she hasn't listened to every episode. So I think that'll be for her in the other room. Oh, <laughs> well, she gets part of the show. Yeah, she doesn't listen to everything. But yeah, so we got Brian Madison next week, and uh, we'll reveal that movie at the end of the show. But now Fantastic. it's time to get to the signature segment of our show. It is time for Does It Hold Up? Oh, 1994's Legends of the Fall. And I thought maybe we'd uh, get a little... Thunder. Very tender, the Oh boy, James Horner did the uh, theme sex score in this film. It's a very beautiful, sweeping score. Uh, we, we can talk about that. Yes, yes. Legends of the Fall, 1994. It's a great movie, is it? Is it not? Does it suck? We're going to dive into that, of course. Uh, taking it back, we always start from the beginning. 1994, we were all roughly 14 years old, and this movie came out in the theater. Travis Roy, did you see this in the theater? I'm going to say you did not. I did not. I, I, I didn't see it in theaters. In fact, I don't know if I saw it in 94. I think I saw it in 95 because it came out in December of 94, which, um, of course. Oh, by the way, also, Anthony Hopkins' birthday today. Happy birthday. Hey, still birthday alive. Yeah, happy birthday, Tone. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I saw this on – I rented it when it was new. My family did. I watched it with the fam, I think. Uh, I didn't watch it again until the night before last. 
Oh, wow. Okay, that's, that's very surprising. That's interesting, yeah. Samuel, word civilized is no place in any discussion of the affairs of this world. There he is, Anthony Hopkins. There he is. Colonel Ludlow, sir! What's going on here? I mean, come on. It's funny. We laughed about that when we were kids. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Eric? Uh, 1995 on VHS, uh, maybe? A blockbuster or, you know? Entertainment tonight. I'll never forget the preview. Uh, as a, you know, sitting in Brighton Cinema, and then uh, this uh, this gorgeous landscape is just replaced by the the beautiful blonde hair of a young Brad Pitt uh, coming into uh, home base on his uh, majestic Mustang, whatever the hell it was. Uh, this was a big deal for me back in the day. For some reason, I would watch this all the time. I uh, rented it on home video and uh, sexual awakening of sorts. <laughs> possibly, possibly, I still have some things I have to deal with personally, but uh, you know, it's like it's it's like a soap opera for dudes. Uh, I, I just don't know how to explain it. Like I would it all the time. Well put, dude. It is a soap opera for dudes in in a way that Sopranos is not. Yeah, <laughs> that's really funny, Eric. It's that's like a Harlequin cool. note romance for dudes. It really is. No shame. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Like this line, because you love her, I will forgive you for that. What? You say that again, and we're not brothers. You're right. That's definitely soap opera for dudes. Great call. Genius. Might be your best line of 2020. You snuck in your best line of the year for the last episode. Well done. Uh, yeah, this was something that I never saw in the theater. No doubt about it. But it was definitely a VHS box copy we had. Someone bought it. My mom or uh, DiBiase. It was in the house. And it was basically this and Boogie Nights. Like, by the time Boogie Nights came out, these we were watching both of those movies all the time, me and my brothers. And I don't know why, but. I probably saw this movie a billion times from 1995 ish till I graduated high school. And I do all the Colonel Ludwell, Ludlow quotes and <laughs> you know, everything. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a big part of my teenage years. So I have to give it a lot of, that's probably why I brought it up and I wanted to see if it held up. I hadn't watched it in a long time. So it's been a minute for sure. And uh, we're going to talk more about that. But of course on this show, we always give you the details. We break it down. Uh, did anybody look it up? Do you guys know the score on IMDb? I do not. No clue. All right. Well, let's take a let's take a gander. Travis, what do you got? I'm going to say in Travis's behest, uh, maybe 6.7. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm going to say a 7.1. Wow. I mean, uh, you know, that's definitely up there. But uh, I'm afraid time uh, hasn't uh, treated this. Very well. It's been 25 years since I used to uh, taking a look at it. But like I said, I saw it like 20 times when I was a small boy. Holy shit. 7.5. Wow. That's wow. That's surprising. You, that is surprising, isn't it? <laughs> is that like our highest score so far or what? That's one of the I mean, for a movie like this, I'm surprised. I didn't I did not expect that to happen. Wow. How many Holy. reviews are on IMDb? Well, we have over a hundred, almost one hundred fifty thousand. Holy shit! Um, yeah, right? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Wow, I'm stunned. That's, that's I'm amazing. I mean, I'm sitting here blown away. Whether I love the movie or not, whether it was a part of my youth, uh, I just didn't think that this movie was as revered. And that's, a, that's a legit score. So uh, I'm surprised. Five. Holy shit! It's really yeah. High. So that's isn't that Travis? Isn't that crazy? It's higher than I would have guessed. Yeah, it's higher than we both guessed. So on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, we got quite the disparity. Critics, 58 splat. Yeah. But the audience, 
This is what this is where the IMDb score comes into play. 87%. That's such a disparity. I love it. 58 to 87. Mind blowing. I'm I'm blown away right now. What what just happened? I mean, Damn! that's crazy. There's no doubt about it. So, of course, we need to find out if Destin Thompson reviewed this film. Did, did Destin Thompson review this film or not? I'm hoping he did, but the critics are not a fan of this film. There's a lot of splats. There's a lot of people who are pissed. Um, I don't know what it is about this film that people would be upset about. Can you guys give me one possible thing? Um, yeah, I got I got an idea. How about, <laughs> the fact that, how about the fact that, I mean, hardly the first thing in American history to do this because it's a trend throughout American history, but the fact that it, the, the movie uses American Indian culture to bolster this idea of white male like untamed wilderness like like american grandiose like it, it's all built up to to it's 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 all it's all borrowed to support a white story uh also i think this movie is kind of um celebrates tax, toxic masculinity <laughs> oh there we go that's what i'm talking about i definitely agree with both of those mike but i i I just think that the the audience was this was a like a heartstring tugger, and I think the audiences were they caved to the manipulation, whereas the critics were reading between the lines on this one. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess Colonel Ludlow, he might disagree, um, but that's just my opinion. Destin Thompson definitely checked in on this film, and good, he good. says this is our final Destin Thompson review of 2020. Thank you, Destin, for all you did this year. We love you, Destin. <laughs> <laughs> We see dot, 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 misery, betrayal, heartbreak, ridiculous plot twists. And after he sustains a stroke, Hopkins apparently doing a composite impression of Popeye and Quasimodo. <laughs> there it is. That is the best review. Popeye. Jesus, man, that's harsh. That's so harsh. Fuck, oh, man. I had a stroke. Half his body's paralyzed. How are you not Popeye and Quasimodo? <laughs> wow, that was great. Thanks, Dustin. Way to go out on top in 2020. Uh, Roger Ebert said, this is the kind of big, robust Western love story that just be begs to be filmed, which come to think of it, it has been. Three out of four stars. He likes it. Strange uh, review. Yeah, that was. That was not usually, you know, not as... Come, uh... come to think of it, I just watched that movie. <laughs> okay. Peter Travers says, though the admirable Quinn has the toughest role, Pitt carries the picture. The blue-eyed boy who seemed a bit lost in interview with the vampire proves himself a bona fide movie star stealing every scene he's in. Yeah, I mean, this was a big, you know, um, between, this, between this and interview, I mean, he... Became a movie star that year, 94, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Lisa Schwartzman from Entertainment Weekly says, under such labored circumstances, James Horner's music must work overtime. It swoops and broods and promises you that something elemental about manliness is being conveyed. Splat. Splat. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, something elemental about manliness is being displayed. I, I don't <laughs> what they're going for. I do, th and I also think that Horner's score is so saccharine. Like it's oh, like, man. it's just real. It's too sweeping. It's the biggest yes, problem for me. It drowns every single emotional beat. I can handle the sweeping stuff when he's like riding around in the the, the with, in the beautiful landscapes, 
But when you drown that entirely gorgeously filmed battle scene uh, in just that, it's just so overwhelming during that scene because you have that score and that fucking narration from Samuel. It's just, and meanwhile, you got these gorgeous visuals of the, of the war, but Jesus Christ, lay off, Horner. When she, okay, so when um, the music is at its worst, and I agree with you on that, is in the beginning when Julie Ormond's character, Susanna, first shows up and, you know, she's there with her big-ass horse dog and everybody's so happy and the music is just forcing it on you so much about how good times are right now, which just reveals to you, even the first time I saw this, I, I have to think, I had to go way back because it's been so long since I could really get in touch with the feelings of the first time that I viewed this film, you know? But it's just so obvious that there's going to be something bogus that happens because the music is shoving it down your fucking throat. Yeah. It really does make sleeping with your brother's fiance so romantic. <laughs> so, so that was one of the things, one of the, you know, like in, in this time, so not to like flash my credentials, but I mean, you know, I am a historian of this era in America. So like, you Absolutely. Know, I had, I have some thoughts. Um, and one of them being that, you know, the, the brother of a fallen, uh, you know, so, the, you know, someone's brother dies and, and then that brother marries the spouse, the, the, the widow, that, that was really common for a, a long time. Um, so like th that whole element didn't bother me in the way that I think it may have bothered me some as a kid or might bother some people. Cause like that whole thing actually makes a lot of sense. What doesn't make sense yeah. is like meeting your, your brother, your younger brother's fiance. By the way, Samuel, who's like supposed to be the most revered person in the family, but clearly Tristan is you, you meet um, your, your younger brother's fiance and just immediately just start. eye fucking her just, I'm going to just immediately just immediately. Yeah. It's like, uh, like, hang on. And just like, you know, and then it's like, I prefer fucking. I mean, I fucking. <laughs> it's just like, way, no. yes, yes. Okay. And, and then, and then when, and then when, by the way, I forgot to tell you, I'm going to join the army. And she comes to him for, um, for comfort. He's like, oh, it's, it's okay. Let me start brushing my nicks, my lips against your neck. Like all that shit. <laughs> just so trashy and, and, ugh. ugh. Yeah, it's a soap opera for dudes, as uh, Eric said. Those are soap opera moments. And the fact, by the way, I want to wow. mention this. Uh, this, is based on the novel by Jim Harrison, Michigan's own local Jim Harrison, a uh, pretty well-known uh, writer. So uh, we give Jim Harrison a little credit for the novel, which I've never read. So I don't want to say that I have, but it feels like a novel made into a movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it does. You're right. Uh, but the, <laughs> the fact that he is such an Tristan is supposed to be so beloved by everyone. Is it, I think there's actually a lot of truth in the, image and the view of tristan from other people's point of view the fact this is an american thing that happens often this is something i think they got right the the pretty strong you know guy who's an asshole and everyone adores him still in a way that he gets propped up okay i think that's a real american ideal that actually they kind of nailed i'm not happy about it but i think that is something that is quite legitimate unfortunately oh no i think i think you're 100 percent right but the movie is not about like lessons of the fall uh, or like ways we can learn from Tristan's errors. <laughs> right. The whole movie is like, this guy's a legend. This guy's fucking legendary. Let me tell you how great this guy is. He abandons his whole family for like a decade. It's awesome. Right. It's so cool. And then he just like strolls back into their life and like expects them all like, where's Susanna? I, I brought her. <laughs> what do you mean? Things changed in the decade while I was gone or however long it was. Um, and by the way, before Leo fought a fucking bear, Brad Pitt took on the bear in this movie. So twice. That's right. And by the way, the kind of asshole that literally, literally pokes a sleeping bear. 
Yes. Literally, that's <laughs> that is, we're dealing that with. Is undeniable. And, and again, this is not to me. This is not the stuff that makes a legend. This is something that, like, this is something that should be avoided. This is like a cautionary tale about the most selfish person in this family and how he destroyed that family. And I'm not letting Papa Ludlow off the hook either because he has all kinds of toxicity about Aiden Quinn's character, Alfred in particular, like his unforgivingness of Alfred for like very little. Um, but yeah, this 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 movie is very much to me about like the ways that pride and um, favoritism and and selfishness and all this stuff can just uh, destroy a family. Yeah, I mean, I love the Colonel. I, I I really like the Colonel Ludlow character. He's the the most progressive out of all of them. I I love what they do early on in the picture where he walks away from uh, the, the Indian Wars, but. He doesn't teach his kids anything that that he's learned about it. I mean, and then he gets mad at them when they all go out and try to fulfill their own destinies. And when Susanna comes, I'm sorry, but I would sit these assholes down and be like, okay, everyone, this is Susanna. She's Samuel's wife. Keep your goddamn hands off Samuel's wife. <laughs> in the unlikely event that Samuel dies in the war, keep your goddamn hands off Samuel's widow. But he just gets mad at everyone for just going out and doing their thing. And meanwhile, he's celebrating the, the wild nature of these people, but he doesn't teach them. Damn you. And damn you too. I love it. He yells at people. Do you think this movie passes or fails the Bechtel test? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, like when his mom leaves in the beginning of the movie and they're all waving goodbye, I'm like, goodbye, only non-romantic female person in the movie. I know that's uh, movie, and I was right. Yeah, okay, fine. You know, Glenn Allen's checking in and he says, speaking of toxic masculinity, don't we all want to die while fighting a giant grizzly bear? I know I do. I so mean, this brings up to me some of the problems I had with them. There's a few points in this movie where I was straight up laughing at it when I don't think I was supposed to. Oh, no. <laughs> when, when, like, when he's fighting a bear at the end and then he goes, it was a good death. I was howling with laughter. I was just howling with laughter. I'm like, I'm like, it was a good death. Every 70 year old wants to die being mauled by a bear. You know? like, yeah. like, what? And and also when Samuel died, like I was kind of, I was giggling. I was giggling through Samuel's death. I fucking chuckled too. I cried when Tristan died, but I chuckled when Samuel died. It's 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 filmed like a comedy. What about one stab? He's a good guy. Come on, one stab is he's best character I'm in the like, movie. I mean, I thought was yeah. one. Um, but again, like he serves this function, which is solely to tell the story of these white men and 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 to really drive home like um, his Indianness. Like we get the sense that he's he's telling the story, not just like and by the time he's telling the story, it's after 1963. Right. Because because Tristan dies in 1963. So he's telling the story, which he must be like 100 years old at this point. And it's <laughs> TP in like the 70s yeah. the old Indian in the late 70s right okay um and he doesn't speak english still refuses to speak english even though he understands it and he's telling the story and and, and and i don't know one step i mean i really like the moment when they when like um when i i like that 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 tristan has long hair because indians have long hair and that's like he's he's like he clearly follows one stab as like a, 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 a as a surrogate father in a lot of ways and when one stab is at the bar and like they won't let him uh drink and he like beats the crap out of the guy and he's like hey he's counting coup on like on like uh 60 guys or whatever i'm like oh, they're talking about counting coup which is like not really something that you get in movies very often but if, if you're unfamiliar that's that's in, in plains indians that's that was how they would um 
score quote unquote like a win against against an enemy either by killing them uh or even sometimes simply touching them during battle it, 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 there was this the standards are different but like so th there is stuff in this movie where, which i found like really authentic and great and then there's also, but at the same time this stuff is all being used to like tell this this legend about this white guy who is not great he's simply not great yeah okay uh, that's I want to give that I don't really disagree with what you said, and it's probably true, but I want to give a little bit of credit to the fact that there's a white there's a guy who's trying to like he sees what awfulness of what happened as a soldier. Anthony Hopkins character, Colonel Ludlow, he tried to do something different. He he wasn't just the complete, you know, atypical white male of the time. He tried to get away from it all and he was ashamed of what he had been a part of and and he tried to get so I so that part is as a younger kid, that's more impressionable. And you don't see the the details and the nuance of the things you're describing because you're young. So if you see this at a younger age, you might be like, wow, this guy's someone really some that you could emulate. I really want to be like him. And he's actually trying to make change by, you know, hosting all types of people. You know, he hosts the runaway Decker and Decker has wow. family with other natives. And they're, they're, it's not just like God awful, but you're right. In the end, the message is that the white people are the focus of the story from that angle. It's hard to escape right. that point. And 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 he's ultimately a, a white savior um, character because, I mean, yeah. it, like I, I do think I mean I, I I agree I think it's cool that he does what he does and I think it's nice to see that but but the reality is is that the norm for decades in this country was not union officers walking away from the, the disturbing treatment of American Indians it was them right. piling on oh yeah you know? um so so you know um the, the movie simply wouldn't have worked if it, if he had been a, a typical <laughs> Colonel, you know, so I, I get that, but it's you know, it's on one hand, like I say, I mean, on one hand, I'm pleased by some of the some of the representation uh, in the movie. On the other hand, uh, I feel like it's a big miss, and in, in it, uh, for the most part, I feel like it's a big miss, and like I mean, like again, like like in a TP in the 1970s and stuff, which okay, yeah. I, mean, I, I imagine that could happen, but I hope he's like getting paid like it's some sort of i don't know like it's just, <laughs> it just it just i don't know just kind of smacked of like um some kind of repurposing of indian culture it's 26 well, I mean, years old yeah that's, that's kind of what i was wondering i mean does he take on the family to does he host them as you say or, or did like did they clean his house and like cook for them and like and live in this tool shed well they I mean, show up you know they come get them the bad guys and then they're like hey uh you know oh like in uh I think it's this one right here, isn't it? Is this scene? So. What exactly is he wanted for, sir? Well, he... Uh... That would be of a private nature, sir. Private nature? It's a public office you hold there, sir, isn't it? That's like him trying to be noble, but like, he's not. You know, that's that, to me, that's classic Colonel Ludlow. Like, oh, hey, oh, you think you're righteous, but I'm the righteous guy. But you're not righteous either. There's like this battle to be the righteous one. And I don't buy that. And I think the more that Travis is saying this now, it's kind of bumming me out because he's right. Uh, which is unfortunate for me. But I want to, can we talk about something different in this film too? I, I want to talk about the fact that you can't, no matter how hard you try, you can't prevent people from kind of going down a path, even though you don't want them to. Like he tried to in, in force his anti-war nature. You know, he hated war and what it did to the natives and what he saw, you know, the, he talks about the meeting of a child in a bullet. It's one of the most grotesque things he's ever seen. Colonel Ludlow says this and he, I'm certainly beyond the scenes we see he drove it into his children that war is awful and government is a nightmare and but yet they go off to war and you know he couldn't stop anybody he alfred becomes like everything that he hates you know like he becomes a local government official in uh, montana and i just 
I guess I like that part of the film. Like, despite its problems, you cannot prevent people from becoming who they end up wanting to be or just are destined to be because it's just how it goes. You can't force your will upon people, even if I you're love, family. Yeah, I, I love that sentiment by Colonel Ludlow. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie. But the the, the rest of the movie, almost in its entirety, spends its screen time honoring and romanticizing violence as being virtuous in, in all aspects, in, in male anger, in in like the, the wild nature of the beast. And we've got Colonel Ludlow himself. Oh, my son killed a man. His first uh, murder. I'm going to go give him a hug and finally reclaim my relationship. <laughs> you killed for the family. Welcome back into it. That's what it took. <laughs> Yo, I knew that was going to come up in the show. Thank you. Okay, it came up. Woohoo! I knew that was going to be like, we were going to crack a joke about violence, like reaffirmed his solidified nature, and he's one with the family again. <laughs> I think for me, the most powerful part of the of the movie was actually, even though I laughed at um, Samuel's death, I I laughed. And I, I mean, I laughed and then I stopped laughing because like it was, yeah, oh, then man. I realized what was going on that the mustard gas was blinded. I'm like, oh, that's not that's yeah. not. Funny. Um, but the, is, scene, the scene actually where um, and it's really understated and I thought really well done where um, where Tristan has to deal with the calf, the cow that's stuck in yeah. the barbed wire. Yeah. And, like, you Great realize thing. he's dealing with like some serious PTSD, mm-hmm. and um, and I thought that was really done really well. Um, I thought that was done masterfully. Uh, as far as what Tristan goes on to do, like ah, I don't know what to do. My brother died. I think I'm gonna fuck his wife for a while and then go be on an opium boat. <laughs> yeah, and like he like he goes to the Congo. Like dude goes to the Congo. In this the Congo. Time, like. The things that Tristan would have been a privy to in the Congo, the th- I mean, he may not have been chopping off hands himself, but like he, I mean, if, if he's a white man in the Congo in the early 20th century, he's essentially still, he's practically a slaver. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to be there unless, and if you're not a slaver, then, then you're, um, well, I mean, that, that murderer. You are. I mean, basically, what they would, I mean, they, they would go there to poach and like, like, and to take, you know, and to get all of the the ivory and stuff, and they would use more or less at gunpoint the um the local native people to um you know to do the work for them. And there's, well, he says he's become a hunter. He's like, I've become a hunter, and he's hunted right. everything in the world. Yeah. Right, and then when he, and then I'm like, oh, you you went to the Congo, so yeah, you know, yeah. killed everything that are happening at this time, right? I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying I dislike those scenes because I do I make the shots of the ocean and the ship. I think all that stuff is just shot so beautiful by Academy Award winner John Toll. But hey! I blame Jim Harrison for I'm sure he wrote this probably in the 70s where there was oh. residue of, you know, Hemingway's ideal man. And you can't get past that. I mean, it goes way back to Louis L'Amour and all that stuff. But but we look at a picture of him. No, I haven't seen it. But look up it, Jim Harrison. Google a Jim, Google image Jim Harrison's face, and you're going to be like, "Yep, that fits the profile to a T." Well, I'm willing to bet. But yeah, well, they try to make it add to the allure of this character, and for me, yeah, it's just like Daniel Steele nonsense. Like you don't have to have him literally like hanging out with primitive tribes in the jungle for me to be like this guy's enigmatic and mysterious. I mean, if you look like Josh Gad, there wouldn't even be a story here. It's just because he's this beautiful specimen. Uh I will say this. Uh, you're probably right. I, what about the use of the, the the letters? Okay, so the letters yeah. is the narration. Now, that's like a clever way to be like, we're not just narrating. These are letters from actual people that we're just kind of retelling to you. Uh, it could be worse narration, but it's it's definitely overused. And it's a vessel to kind of like connect pieces of the story, which is all over the place, too. Like, Absolutely. 
it can start yeah. to get confusing about where they are in time and like how much time has gone by. It's almost Game of Thrones-esque in terms of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets so bad that, sorry, Susanna literally has to write a letter to herself because they were like, well, where the fuck is she going to send it? Just so she can give us that <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that was pretty clunky, I thought. And, and like again, like really drives home that it's... That it's... Um, that it's um, I'm having issues. I'm having issues. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Um, uh, someone hitting you. Uh, well, it's perfect time to play this clip. I want to play this. Hang on. How can, how can we, we what? Father, you can't expect us not to be part of this. You taught us. I taught you to think for yourselves. That's what I taught you. And to defend what's ours. Yes, what is ours? What is ours? Well, we've already lost two of our cousins at the mine. Well, we've never even met. And don't talk at me, boys, if I've never seen a war. That's perfect, by the way. Wow. In terms of that concept, like they they think they know, and they're so idealistic and young, and they're trying to talk yeah. to Ludlow, like, "Hey, you don't know what you're talking about, Dad. This is a new war." And then <laughs> like, that's what they said about the War of Secession. That's what they said about every war. Of the year. It's just that is actually poignant. I'll give them credit on that. But anyway, back to the point, Travis. Well, I was actually going to make a. I was going to kind of divert things in a different way. So we talked about John Toll, but we didn't talk. We haven't talked about Edward Zwick yet. Um, yeah director of the film um who i think is a, a pretty capable director i i i really like glory um yeah. i think i think last samurai is a really last samurai. Movie. Yeah. um this movie kind of puzzled me watching it because i'm like this, this it's shot in montana you know big sky country right or is that wyoming i don't know it's it's beautiful anyways it's a western and oh, like, montana yeah yeah, and think of the shot of like when Tristan comes back and you get um, Ludlow walking out to greet him, and it's like this low shot. You see Hopkins like he fills the screen, and you see nothing else. Um, it, the same thing happens when um, the same thing happens when they um, get to um, pretty much any scene. When you are looking at it, you're not seeing the vast landscape behind them. Think of like a Michael Cimino, for instance, um, film. You mean God? Anyone, right? Um, But like the tight, tight shots in this movie really weirded me out. Like I actually made notes at a couple places where I'm like, oh, look, mountains. There's the sky. He's showing us. Because like there's all these really, really tight shots. And it just seemed like kind of like a waste of really beautiful landscape that could have been like a really easy way to to get, you know, to, to, to like to bolster your movie and make it look beautiful. And he just chose not to. It was weird. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, I love Glory is like definitely one of my all time favorite films. Even after all these years, I still think uh, it still holds up. I would. Maybe we'll do it on the show one day. The intention of that film was pure. Maybe it's changed a little bit in 30 years, but that that doesn't matter. Like in terms of capabilities, he's he's definitely has the ability to direct with technical prowess. And the experience he has now is, you know, he's one of the more above average directors supposedly in terms of hollywood it doesn't mean that he's great though it this film i thought he did a good job as the director i just think what he was dealing with was going to be a false premise or a failed premise even because of the fact the script was already written and this book was already written so it wasn't his fault in that respect yeah i'll I'll backtrack a bit and uh, maybe even quite a bit because i actually do really like this film uh I love like the, the small interactions. Uh, you know, usually about 20 minutes into a movie, I'll stop and, and ask myself almost every time, like, okay, well, what's the point of this? Like, what am I supposed to be getting from this? And what I get from that first chunk is just 
you know, here's these people, here's these relationships. And, you know, I joke and call it a dude soap opera, but I do like, like all that stuff that's it's character focused where it can easily just unravel into some, some nonsense like Louis L'Amour trash. But I, I do appreciate those small moments and the characters I think for the most part are written really well. I mean, I got a problem with any, any movie that just has, Oh, this guy's hot. Like have everyone like, uh, consider him like this, uh, this Zeus or this God, just because they're good looking. Um, that's Hollywood, though, man. Come on. <laughs> I, I do, um, you know, to, to say some nice things, I, I agree that there's some really strong performances in this movie. I think it's it's classic Hopkins. Um, I, I disagree that he pulls a Popeye and all that stuff. I thought, I thought <laughs> it was good. It's funny. But yeah, it's funny. But yeah, I thought I thought he I thought he, you know, really progresses as a character. You see him you know, age. Uh, and change. I wish that there had been more of his character. I think that he's a pretty compelling character, and I wish we just got a little bit more of his inner life, I guess. His um, yeah, I agree. But, he's like, uh, he's like, kind of there on the surface, even though he's very um, impactful and has a lot of things to say. You're right. We don't get like his, we get some letters well, that he writes to Elizabeth, but that's that, kind of. Mike, I have to say, you were talking about the letters earlier. The one they don't show is. The reaction of Susanna and Colonel Ludlow to Samuel dying—they—they they don't, they don't show either of those characters reacting to that death, and that could have been—they they absolutely needed that. They, they just get the heart shipped to him instead. They just get a heart fed <laughs> to Maybe that's where Game of Thrones got it. They're like, oh, let's just skip that. Maybe they watched this movie and said, we just won't show the key scenes. <laughs> Some Anne Frank shit right there. Puzzling. Um, not Anne Frank. Jesus, uh, Mary Shelley. Sorry, uh, Mary Shelley. Did that with Perfect heart. Anyways, Mary Riley. <laughs> you got that good. Yeah, this is Cinema Night Podcast. We're talking about Legends of the Fall. Does it hold up? It's a film from 1994, so it might not. We'll get to that almost in a couple of minutes. Uh, any final thoughts, guys? I mean, this is the longest episode that we will probably do because there's still more to discuss. I, I want to give credit to this film for its anti-government stance. That's what I liked about it. That's what I liked about it growing up because I was into punk rock, and even though it was frustrating for the native american perspective there were certain things that i thought were positive for native americans in this film but you're right with the years gone by you've convinced me travis i'm not even going to argue that point it's it's fucked now but i love the fact that colonel Lodo was so anti-government and he's like i work for the government sir and i love that he's like the government sucks and the fact that you know aiden quinn's character he wants to be this guy that'll make his father proud because his father was a government stooge in a sense but that's not what he wants for his son and i like that interplay with the complications of the fatherhood yeah. and the sons and the government sucks and then you got these other assholes coming in the prohibition era shows up in this film and bootlegging oh. and these ass these irish pricks are irish trying to you know, <laughs> yeah they're trying to run the show and and then tristan marries a, a girl who was quite younger than him when he went off to war and all of a sudden she's grown up and now he's fucking her and having children with her it, it, this movie's the more i start saying it out loud now i'm getting like Shit, I don't know if this is a good movie. <laughs> it's kind of all over the place, right? There's a lot packed in here. Um, uh, we haven't talked about Julia Ormond at all. I thought that she was uh, really good in this. I thought that she was one of the stronger um, moment, like elements of the movie. But also, but as far as the character goes, I kept on finding like like her like, like just, just, it's just completely um, inappropriate. Like the way that like, hey, I'm so sorry about your dead wife. Now, as I was saying. 
we can, we have a real shot here, Tristan. We have a real shot once you get out of school. <laughs> like, what are you doing, lady? Um, so there's a few things about her character that I found kind of frustrating. But, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of the nature of the movie is that every every yeah. uh, character, you know, makes mistakes and they make these choices that, the, that, that other people have to live with, um, which is, you know, very real. And I think, that you know, for as sweeping and grandiose as the movie is, I do think that there's a lot of um, elements of realism here. Yeah, there is. You're right. There's elements of realism, but the sweepingness gets out of control. And this movie is a broad, it's meant to be this massive thing that is sweeping. So they're not trying to deny what they are, or who they are. It's just a matter of, in the end, is this an enjoyable film to watch? Julia Armand's character is kind of annoying at times. She tries to play dumb, but she really, I mean, Tristan's a dick, but she causes a lot of problems too. I mean, she loves Samuel, but she's lusting after Tristan just as much when she gets there. So she's to blame. You're to blame too, Susanna. And then she marries Alfred, but like, that's because that's all that's left. Why does she have to run through? She runs through all the brothers and in the end, because that's all that's left for her because she also lost her parents when she was little. So there's a lot of pain for her. And that, they mentioned that in one of the early notes that I feel there's a great emptiness yeah. and avoid in her. And maybe that's, why it ends the way it does i was really stunned when she takes her own life like i actually like um didn't believe that it happened like the next scene comes and they're like dealing with the the, the corpse the, the you know the coffin and stuff and i thought that they were still still dealing with the coffin of uh brad pitt's wife i'm like what it's been 30 days what's going on here and i'm like oh wait no she she actually killed herself like i just didn't see it coming i just and i, I didn't really you know accept it wow. <laughs> it seemed, surprised me they pulled one over on old Travis. I don't think they did. They did. <laughs> well, you said it so well, Travis. I mean, we have to look at. Oh, I know. In I did. Of the, <laughs> in, in terms of the time, because it, it, it wasn't unusual for a woman to be opportunistic, even about the men that she would marry. And opportunistic is the right word, but I, I get what you're saying. Like it's those were she had to like follow the options, which were limited. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um, but yeah, I don't remember her killing herself. I just, I wrote down like, do women really cut their hair when they get or in extreme duress, and then she killed herself? I was like, fuck, I don't even remember that. But um, I've definitely known women to cut their hair when in extreme duress. I've seen it happen. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, they never do that, but they do cut their hair. That's true. I think I've seen. Yeah, I, I'm actually gonna agree with Travis on that. So in the end, here, guys. <sighs> There's a lot of great acting. I think that's obvious. It's a story about white people mixed in with some Native American culture told by a guy who doesn't speak English, but speaks English through the whole film as a narrator. And I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how this one's going to turn out. I, I love this movie as a kid, and I am seeing some of the flaws. But I also agree with Eric, too, that I really enjoy watching this film, I, even though it is flawed. And then this goes back to the really one of the pillars of the show and Travis has discussed time and time again about this. The movies are a part of you and this nostalgic factor. And it doesn't matter what anybody says. It's still just going to always be a part of you. And for me, this will probably be one of those films, I think, but I, I'm still not sure. Um, well, does it I, hold I, up? Go ahead, man. You don't have us to rely on for your final decision. This yeah, time. we're making I, you go first. Answer. Oh boy. Well, all right. Well, if, if does this film hold up? This is a great question because it's fun at times. It's historically inaccurate, but there's some historical accuracies. And then there's assholes and there's beautiful statements. There's a lot of quotables, so I like quoting the film. When I think of this movie, I think about 
my brother sometimes because we would sit there and watch this film and make jokes about it. So that's a positive memory for me. But if we're talking about does this film hold up? And that's what we do on this show. We have we are the judge, jury and executioner. And I'm going to say this movie does not hold up. Yeah. There All it right. is. Um, I'll go ahead and go next. Uh, I, I've, I've mentioned already my major issues with the movie, which is the treatment of American Indian culture and that being used to, you know, I mean, there's a reason why American Indians have been used as mascots by white people throughout American history. There's a reason why uh, when the Boston Tea Party happened that they dressed up like Mohawk Indians, not because they thought that people would think that they're actual Mohawk Indians, but because white people have historically celebrated wildness by by turning American Indians into some sort of, I don't even know what, some sort of conduit for their own adventures or something. It's bizarre. Um, <clears throat> so that makes me uncomfortable in this movie. Uh, the way that, I mean, I can handle a movie being about a terrible person, but for the whole story of the movie to be like, everybody who loved him most died young. They broke themselves against the rock of his blah, blah. Um, you know, I'm like, that, that's what, why, why does this make him a legend? Why are we celebrating this man? I, I don't, I don't understand like what the messages of the movie and some of the messages. So these, these messages are like, you know, they're, they're things that like the government is bad, <laughs> you know, things that like wilderness is great. And especially if you, you kill people while you're being wild, like, I'm, I'm, and, and then attack a bear needlessly. I don't know. Um, I, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Um, I do feel like there's some really strong performances. Um, but I, I, I did not grow up with the nostalgia of this movie. Like, like you did Mike. So um, for me, it, just very, I mean, like it was worth watching. I'm glad I watched it again because it was basically watch, like watching it for the first time, but it, it it doesn't hold up for me. There it is. Man. Yeah, you're right. Um, You know what? When I started this movie last night, and it's been 25 years, I settled into the, just the ambiance, just the, just the, 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 the beautiful cinematography, just the quiet nature of the interactions. I, I love all that. I'm so glad you played those clips, Mike, because I think the strength of the film is those exchanges where you talk about Colonel Ludlow wanting to divorce himself from the ways of man. You can't do that. His kids remind him that it's not possible. Sooner or later, you got to take a stand and get out there and do what is right in your heart. It's that type of stuff that uh, speaks to me. It's the performances. It's um, a little bit of the nostalgia, but it is, for better or worse, kind of the mystique of, uh, you know, men from this time. Uh, I can't deny it. I put I put a fire on. I lit my fucking oil lamp so it appeared like I was in fucking Colonel Ludlow's den. <laughs> I, I fell into it, man, and I was tearing up at the end. I just sat back, a little tear in my eye. Travis laughed at the bear attack, but I, I just said this is a... It, for me, it captures a, a, a point in time that's gone and forgotten, for better or worse. And I think the movie did a good job of portraying that. I think it holds up. It, inaccurately, but I'm glad you like it. I mean, it, it, some, I, I, I take that back. Some of it's accurate, some of it's not. I guess like any historical movie. So, But I'm glad that, I'm glad that one of us liked it. Um, it probably I, knew it was inaccurate, but it was it had to tell its story. It's a film, whatever. Um, you yeah. know, it's, it's not a history book. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that you... I'm glad that one of us thinks it held up, to be honest, because I think that the movie has worth. But I just, I just couldn't. If I had to, if I had to make that one, yeah, the, you know, it's a binary choice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it uh, really is. 
Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot I liked about the film, but in the end, I have to be honest. I do think that it's um, some of his messages hold up, like the anti-government and the fact that the government and media try to prop up wars. Those types of messages are still very, very valid in today's world, but there's a lot of it that doesn't hold up, so that's why I went there. Yeah. But I, I still will watch this movie still. Just because it doesn't hold up doesn't mean that I'm not going to watch it. So I, I can separate the two. And that's how it is. That's how we do it on the show. That's it. We did it. The Cinnamon Iron Pod has given you 2020's best and we have decided 39 films. Did they hold up? I actually, we should have tallied like uh, how many held up and how many didn't. Maybe we yeah, could post that. We should do yeah, that. Maybe we'll, we'll go back and uh, we'll well, maybe actually, post no, it on our Facebook page or something. No, we shouldn't post it because then what reason do people have to listen to them? Well, <laughs> well, they'll know that we won't give them which ones. We'll just, I just want to get like a, like a, you know, held up, didn't held up, you know. Was it 17 and 20 or not? You know, you know what I mean? I won't tell them which ones. I just want to know how many did and how many didn't, because that's oh, interesting. Okay. All right. And we'll post that. I'll post that later on. Anyways, uh, yeah, you can check out our Facebook page. We have our lovely Cinema 9 Facebook page where you can interact with us. Our Instagram feed, we are always posting. Travis posts his movies that he's been watching. We get reviews yeah. from uh, mainly Travis, right? Uh, lately, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, Eric will always pop in here and there. And, of course, you can give us five stars on Apple podcast that would be wonderful and in 2021 who knows we might have advertisers or something you never know i mean people like our show and we thank you for being a part of it we really really do i think everybody agrees right oh yeah yeah dude i'd love it i'll hawk raisin brand crunch i don't give a shit just give me whatever i'll sell it perfect okay well it's time next week oh boy yeah we're sorry for the audio issues today i'm not but uh next week brian madison will be on the show and he has selected devil in a blue dress we are going to break it down to decide whether or not that film holds up 1995 i believe um i've actually never seen this film so i'm looking forward to a fresh movie it's another one that i haven't seen since it was new i watched it when it came out and thought it was pretty great but i have not seen it since then so i'm looking forward to watching it again I love uh, to see a new movie and find out if it holds up because it's just going to be so fresh for me. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, thank you, Matt Wilson. Yeah, happy holidays to you, Mr. Willis. Hey, Matt, you too. <laughs> we appreciate you being, uh, you know, people like him have joined the show this year and picked up. The Facebook page has helped us out a lot. So next week, settle in. Our first show of 2021 will be Brian Madison. If you don't know Brian, this guy knows film. In fact, he even has worked in film. He has a lot of knowledge about cinema, and I think he's going to bring a lot to next week's show. So... That's it. Uh, Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Thanks for watching. Appreciate your support. Yay! Kill your own kind.